This album is dedicated to all brothers and sisters. My men and my women. And yo, it's time. Put our hands together for Hip hop, hip hop. Cause who I'm talking about, y'all, is hip hop. The stories of hip hop, of rap music, are the stories of a million MCs who, inside of them, the words are coming, the words they need to make sense of the world around them. The words are witty and blunt, abstract and linear, sober and fucked up. And when we decode that torrent of words, by which I mean really listen to them with our minds and our hearts open, we can understand their world better, and ours too. It's the same world. This is Rhymes and Reasons. My name is Amir Ahmed. I live in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I serve as the Associate Director for the Office of Multi-Ethnic Student Affairs and the Trotter Multicultural Center at the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor. I'm also on the board for Hip Hop Congress, a grassroots nonprofit hip hop organization. I've been involved with that organization since about 2000. And uh, I'm also a diversity consultant. I do training, facilitation, intercultural communication, social justice work. Gift to gap, fourth dimensional rocket ship. To the ink on the paper from the top of the brain. Ghetto youth zone rhythms that are louder than pain. From Suedo to Cali, it's all the same. People in change where eight year old children cock it back and take aim. I think the first song the day is I was catching up a cab. By the the gap. From his country most people don't really know this song, and most people don't even know the album. Most people don't know that Gift the Gab ever did solo work. And for people who don't know who Gift the Gab is, he was in a group called, called Black Alicious. I believe he still is in that group. A lot of people never really ever heard the fact that he put out this solo album called Fourth Dimensional Rocket Ships, which for me is like one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time. It's not like I go around and meet other heads who are like, oh yeah, that Fourth Dimensional Rocket Ships album. Like hardly anybody I know is on this album the way that I am. I work out to it, like, it's hella motivational for me, it's spiritual, but this song, Up, was particularly powerful. First of all, it's a great example in hip-hop how you can communicate such powerful ideas in a short amount of time. People talking about some kind of money issues or whatever, whatever, with family, and I'm like, more money, more problems, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's amazing how those four words capture such an elaborate reality for people you know what i'm saying and it's not even four words it's really three words and mo ain't really a full word right so it's just amazing to me how hip-hop can do that and in this song up this song is like two and a half minutes you know there's not really a hook but it's just this cat storytelling and really talking about an experience with the cab driver but it's about much more than that it's about who he is and who the cab driver is and who they are in relationship see just the other day I was catching a cab the driver came from his country to America to grab a slice of the pie he said my people haven't seen the extremeness of hard times I said what you mean he said it's people in this country that would love to live inside these ghettos they live inside of shacks and the kids don't see any kind of education boys and girls starve and die ain't no money when your country is third world he's very much identifying himself as African-American man in the United States and he's identifying the taxi driver as some ambiguous immigrant he could be African he could be South Asian he could be of a lot of different backgrounds he's identifying the immigrant with a person who comes from the global south or the quote third world from places that 
have economically struggle in post-colonial realities that are dealing with challenges that a lot of people in the United States can't relate to. It's a story of what a lot of immigrants perceive of black Americans when they come to the United States and they see the circumstances and conditions that a lot of black Americans are in and don't fully understand it, don't have a lot of the context and the history. And, you know, I, I studied black studies. I got my master's in black studies. So I've learned a lot about that context and history and maybe a way that a lot of people of my background and um, my community that I come from didn't. I said I yearn for change all over the map from a system deeply rooted in hate that sets traps, crack liquor stores, guns, plus our culture was robbed and we were sought self-hate, made to believe that God was outside, denied free thought, feeling the pressure of a hellish eternity, visions of the oppressor with a long white beard looking down. I keep hoping it'll change till then. Please don't expect to get over it. When I came across this story that he's telling, it resonated with me because I've heard this story. I've heard this narrative in my own life, both within the community I came up in, also in some of the dialogues I facilitated between Africans and Black Americans or people from different parts of the, the African diaspora. And it's this narrative of measuring pain, like Oh yeah, you all don't even know how bad it is where, where we came from. Like where, where I came from, people struggle to eat. They don't have the houses that you live in and the kind of the subtext there is in the projects or in some kind of problematic housing situation. In the song, he's saying people would love to live in these, these houses that you live in. You know, where I come from, people live in shacks and, and in slums that are beyond what you can comprehend. And there is truth in that narrative, you know, and I've been to places, many places in the world, especially my motherland of India, and have seen poverty on a scale and human conditions that are not comparable to anything that exists in the United States anywhere. But at the same time, the result is a lot of people, they come here and they negate what black Americans have experienced in the United States in the process as a way to justify their own narrative of being an immigrant and doing whatever it is that they were able to do when they got here, but not necessarily having the same historical and baggage that African Americans have dealt with for generations. Before I bounced out, I said peace, love. Ain't no reason why nobody need to suffer in poverty while others getting richer. It's the same old song. Before I close the door and bounced, I told them change gonna come. You know, get the gab in the song. The first thing he does is that he validates the man's story. He's like, I hear what you're saying, but don't forget what they did to us. Don't forget what happened to us. Understand that we were taught that God is white, that God is outside of us, and therefore there's something problematic about who we are, right? And that we were taught to hate ourselves. So he's kind of framing this like the psychosis that's been internalized, right? Through the generations of racism, and he's really saying we went through slavery, and we and we were taught to hate ourselves. That's not over. You know what I mean? He's saying that we're still dealing with this. And what he starts to do then is that he transitions to creating a joint struggle and saying, I long for change all over the map. You know what I mean? He's like basically saying sets people up and sets traps. He's basically saying that happened all around the world. 
I don't want that for anybody in the world. But in the process, don't tell me that what we've been experiencing and what we do experience isn't real. It is. See, I know they don't tell us that we really are gods, dwelling in infinity through the power of now. I spread the good karma out, grab a pen and a sheet, and empty out my mind so the ancestors can speak through me. I tweak the beats, right? Eat the beats up, dwelling in the fourth dimension of spirit. I'm going up, and it can't stop, don't stop, won't stop, ain't gonna stop, ain't from the top, straight blowing up. Coming from an immigrant community, that's not what they're here for. They're not here to learn about the history. They're here to get resources for their family, to send money back home. And they're like, I don't have time to figure out all that. I'm here to get things. And they come. And especially like when my parents came in the late 60s. And, and back then, the, the choice was stark. Either you're going to align yourself with these white people or you're going to align yourself with these black people. Which one is going to be to your advantage based on why you came here? The best thing for me to do based on this opportunity I've been given is to align myself and associate with these white people because that's where the resources are. And that's where I'm going to be able to get some of the crumbs off those resources to be able to do what I came here to do. And so in the process, there's an access to the white hierarchy and the resources associated with that that a lot of black people aren't given access to. You know, my family's from India and we're Muslim. Muslims at the time in which my father got an education did not have access to higher education, typically. And we're talking the 1960s. And basically, my father was from a rural village. His father was a forest park ranger. He had like, he had eight siblings, not a lot of resources. His grandmother died of a heart attack, and after that, he got the idea in his head, I want to become a doctor. Now, people just thought, like, you, you gotta be kidding me. Like, he wasn't even that good of a student at the time. Like, people were like, you got no, ch no chance, you know what I mean? Like, you're Muslim, you're not a good student on top of that. From that point on, he started doing well in school. He ended up getting a rare scholarship. He went to a medical school. He was the only Muslim in his entire medical school. And he finished at the top of his class. But by him finishing at the top of his class, that gave access to the opportunity to come to the United States. For people who know anything about South Asians in the United States, you kind of tend to notice that most uh, South Asians are either Pakistani Muslims or Indian Hindus and sometimes Christians, right? There aren't a lot of Indian Muslims in the United States. And that's because of this reality that there's not a lot of opportunities.
so I was raised in Ohio, in Springfield, Ohio. What happened was that my, my grandfather on my mom's side was a veterinarian. And he was posted in my, my dad's village. So they knew my dad when he was growing up. But they were from the city. They were from Heatherabad, India, the city. They moved back to the city. And so when my father went to medical school, they were there. And they took care of him because they knew him from the village and, and they fed him and things like that. And so before he left for America, he wanted to keep his culture and his religion. So he wanted to be married. So he asked them to marry my mom. Uh, he left without my mom and made enough money once he came to bring her six months later. So they settled in Springfield, Ohio. My brother and sister were born in New York City and I was born in Ohio. They raised me with my culture and with my religion. And we were in a very small South Asian Muslim community. Most of the people were Pakistani. There were a few Indian Muslims. And then as a Muslim, you're exposed to lots of different cultures. Arabs and Africans. And in the town that I grew up in, there was also black American Muslims. There was a mosque on, on the south side of town. There was a mosque for black Muslims. And there was a mosque for immigrant Muslims, which was mostly South Asian in my town. Most of the black Muslims that I met were Sunni Muslims. And, you know, on holidays, our mosques would do things together. You know, we did things at their mosque. They did things at our mosque, especially on holidays. I would teach the Quran to some of the children in their community, things like that. So that kind of gave me this kind of diverse experience, even though I was growing up in this town that was overwhelmingly black or white. It was like black, white people, and then like my little community and a couple others. going to public school like I learned how to move between lots of different groups of people but also like I felt a different level of acceptance from black people than I did from white people I felt like to be accepted by white people I had to act like them or be like them or things that made me different made me weird whereas I always felt like with black people it was kind of more like oh no we're different too we're not really like them either so you know or if it's like, I can't eat pork or I can't drink alcohol. It was like, oh yeah, we all know a Muslim. You know, we got, my uncle's Muslim, so I know, we know the deal. It's not that foreign or strange to me. So it was a level of kind of identification and connection, relationships, comfort, trust. You know, a lot of the people that I identify with that I feel a strong relationship with are multiracial people. Like them, I'm used to code switching, moving between different cultural contexts. But I also had my own cultural background and foundation that I was given in my own religion and things like that. So I, it's different, but in, in the way of just moving between, I can really relate to and identify with that. And so in that song, Up, in many ways, he's telling two sides of a story that I've seen both sides. Life as a shorty shouldn't be so rough But as the world turned, I learned life is hell 
living in the world no different from myself. from like Run DMC and Two Live Crew and things like that in the 80s. Growing up in Ohio, it wasn't like New York City, you know what I mean? It wasn't on the radio. MTV was a huge source for me. But it was really the 90s, man. Like, you know, going to high school in 1992 and the chronic was like huge to me the greatest era of hip-hop is like 94 to 96 you know there was so much diversity there was you know arrested development de la soul tribe called quest tupac so many different kinds of representations you know you know everybody listened to hip-hop white people black people everybody listened to hip-hop in my school if you left the city if you went to the county they listened to country music out there and it was mostly white people but in Ohio, if you live in a city, even if it's a small city, it, there's a sharp contrast between what's going on in your high school versus what's going on in the county or in the suburbs. They do three days in the county, you know what I'm saying? And come home and write a rhyme about doing bids. Binary Star, I didn't know One Below when Binary Star came out. I met him when he was in Subterraneous Crew in 2001. So it was like right after he left Binary Star and nobody knew why and could understand like they were about to blow up. And we, we did a hip hop summit in Indiana. That was the first time I met him. The first thing was that I just really connected with his brother. He was Muslim. He was like deeply spiritual, really reflective, and with a level of humility and openness and peacefulness to him. I've always really loved that about him. So then when I listen to what he's saying in his music, I'm like, that's him. I mean, that's who he is. And, you know, there's a song on, on, uh, on that album that's called Honest Expression. And I think, <laughs> He's a true believer in that, like in, in just being honest in your expression. And I think that was an era when that album came out, Masters of the Universe came out. It was a couple years into the bling bling era and the kind of post telecom act consolidation of the media and the diversity of hip hop and mainstream culture had been diminishing. And you had the rise of the underground, the rise of the internet as a facilitator of the underground. And Binary Star was right up there with a lot of the the groups that were coming through and you know for those of us who really loved hip-hop and remembered what it was like before 1996 binary star really spoke to that when I heard I know why the Cainbird sings and you know there's two parts to it but they both are amazing but because I know one below personally it creates a different level of connection to it because I didn't know him when he went to prison. So I've only known him as a person who took what he experienced in prison and transformed himself and became this person that I have so much reverence and respect for. It also ties to my reverence for Malcolm X. Nasheed to me is representative of 
a generation of people who went through a similar process that Malcolm went through. You're young, you make mistakes, you know, maybe you wouldn't have did what I did to catch a bid. So he's saying, like, look, I, I did what I did. I made mistakes. But at the same time, there is a racist system that punishes and penalizes people who look like me for my mistakes in a different way than it does for others. The system is built for this purpose. What is so profoundly powerful to me about Malcolm is not just the fact that he went through that evolution and process, but that he came to a greater understanding and the fact that Islam was such a huge component of how he came to that greater understanding to a person in the condition that he was at when he was Detroit Red saying that all human beings are equal and we're all brothers and sisters all around the world that's not necessarily the most resonant message to that person at that time but then you go through the process you're angry you, you react and to watch the transformation that he went through by going to Mecca to meeting people with light skin who treated him with respect which he had never experienced in his life before and even though I've had my own struggles with the Muslim community that I grew up in and I had my own spiritual journey, the fact that Islam has that pure essence at the core of it that a lot of people on the outside of it don't understand, that is what makes me Muslim today. That is why I call myself a Muslim today. It's something so unique in the world. The fact that this man, through that experience, could humble himself in front of the world and say, I was wrong. And so therefore I'm going to go another way. But he didn't absolve the system of racism that his people were facing. And for this man, the uh, one below, to go through this process and have this profound expression of that transformation and what he was seeing. And you can visually see like all the different kinds of people in the prison environment that he was in. And he's also saying, to people who glorify going to prison and doing bids, it's not what you think it is. And just because you came in for a day or two and now you can use that as currency in hip hop, you know, I did a bid, so now I'm this and that. And he's basically like, nah, that's not a place you want to be. This is the impact this experience had on me. And I don't want to be there again. That's the reason why I'm, I'm going this way with myself, because I learned something from that. I took that experience, I learned it, and I've been constructive with it by channeling it through this art. It's all about the lessons you learn through your experience, applying it in a positive way, period. All praise due to Allah. I used to scheme till he showed me the straight way. So out the most the king, I'm on the B.I. Telling moms about Islam. She called me a blasphemous fool. I stayed calm. The world wasn't ready for the changes I made. They was waiting for the nigga I was in 12th grade every day. The same old thing. I walked the yard, set up in a child hall with Abdul Rahim. Cats waiting in the infirmary lines. Buddy medicines. Moorish Americans walking around with circle sevens and older heads playing horseshoes. Sometimes chats. One Below to me is one of the greatest storytellers in hip hop. A lot of people don't know who he is, but I feel like when he's telling a story through hip hop, I see it. It's like I was there next to him while he was experiencing it. And again, the fact that I know this brother and I love this brother 
I've gained so much by knowing him. And I've been able to get opportunities, higher education and this and that or whatever. And I work in elite institution of higher learning. Some would say that I'm educated. And I look at him and I'm like, man, you're one of the most educated people I've ever met in my life. You're one of the most brilliant people I've ever come across. And he's going like, man, you know, I'm just a rapper, this and that or whatever. But he, I mean, she's awesome stuff, man. He is brilliant. And hip hop validates a type of genius and intelligence that a lot of our society does not. And I'm thankful for that. And, you know, yeah, I didn't have to go through what he went through. But that also enhances my sense of responsibility of what am I supposed to do with my life? Because I wasn't subjected to what he was subjected to. And honestly, I probably wouldn't have responded as well as he did. So what do I do to lift up those stories and help other people be reflective about other people's stories and what you can do about the fact that these are things that people are experiencing and most of them aren't going to respond the way that this in terms of myself as a poet and why I started writing I was really frustrated at Miami as you can imagine it was really really challenging environment at Miami I kind of tended to gravitate to like kids from Cincinnati who are from the city or from like inner suburbs not outer suburbs they kind of were kids that listen to hip-hop and you know whether they were white or black it didn't matter they would listen to hip-hop whereas the kids from the outer suburbs they all were on some other stuff and I really didn't identify with it didn't connect to it and I also experienced being the person of color that is not black that I can ask things that I wouldn't ask a black person so, you know, I'd get, you know, why can Chris Rock make jokes about white people? But, and I'm like, um, <laughs> you all get right, like, the way that they, you know, like, first of all, it'd be weird to feel like I had to answer for this. And I was also like, yo, like, you can't ask me that. Like, I'm still a brown person, man. Like, you, it's not okay for you to ask me that. These cats no match. Plus they like a certain act for rapping, chasing, but they never catch the wagon. Like rerunning what's happening since back when they had potty issues, it's naughty tissues. We've been rocking. Think you popping next year, nobody will miss you. My thoughts is too advanced for the artists on these labels. They come sweet in the sable and the softer than mashed potatoes. I tried to told you the rhymes ran over MCs like Land Rovers that took them back in time, like Sankofa, Sankofa. We stand over the Atlantic, looking worn like a man's shoulders. Survivors trapped in the belly, ready to pop like hand soda. We outlasted the middle passage, touchdown in New York, Cincinnati, big Ohio status. What you? Thought money is classic. These bastards try to treat us like cattle. So life has been a constant battle. Battle rising above the crabs in the barrel. Way too used to live in the death shadow. We stay on point like the best arrow. Arrow, we hit the target accurate. Star shit, back it up. When we hit down, your niggas pack it up. That's how we get down, straight smash it up like a whip. Hydroplaning, hydro on the brain and maintain it. Game changing into subtle shit. We remain blatant. I really didn't like it there, and it was a huge inspiration for me to leave. I was like, okay, I'm studying abroad, so I went to South Africa. 
I went to South Africa in 1998 when Mandela was still president and it was during the Truth Commissions. That was like a really profound time to be there. I was living in Durban, which has the largest Indian population outside of India. Also, because they were brought to work on sugar plantations and railroads. And that's where Gandhi got his start. And that was when I started to really formulate common struggle and understanding the legacy of colonialism and racism and and seeing the kind of connections. Connections between Africans and black Americans, connections between Indians across the diaspora, and why these people are in these various places. And also that's when I started writing, when I was in South Africa. That was when I started writing poetry for the first time. Then I went to graduate school at Indiana. I went there for black studies and cultural anthropology, which is what I studied at Miami. I was in Indiana and somebody convinced me to go perform at a open mic. And there was like 250 people there. It was the first time I ever performed and I got a standing ovation the first time. And the co-founder of Hip Hop Congress was there. He had transferred from USC. He was from Indianapolis. He was Jewish. His name is Ron Gubitz. And I'd already kind of been on the idea of arts and activism, you know, ever since I'd been to Africa and been thinking about like arts, music in particular. But then when they kind of talked to me about hip hop, I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because hip hop is global. It's all over the world. It's connecting struggles of all these different kinds of people. So I felt like there was this immense potential to organize activism through hip hop. And so I started organizing festivals. And, and like I said, that was when I met One Below the first time was because, you know, I've organized a festival and he performed there. Okay, some things change, some things stay the same. I once knew this kid who was caught up in the game. His wallet and his chain was the promise in his brain. 20 inch speakers, amps got his bodies in his range. Smooth operator played a rocker with the cane. Beans hollering his name, got his product in their veins. He said, so he balanced triple beams, now the block is filling flames. Hot enough to make the devil cop a lemonade. Cops popping out of shade, now the spot is getting raved. Like roaches, night approaches, gotta get away. Quit saying, snitch ran to the cops to give his name. Picture his wife and kids, not up in the frame. Stay dry, get wet, the only options in the rain. Impossible to maintain, mama so ashamed. Good lord, granddaddy probably tossing in his grave. I learned a lot from last time. The thing that was most profound about it is that I could connect it to direct experiences of people I knew from my high school and from the community I came from and also people I knew in college and graduates. But then there was aspects of it that I didn't fully understand and some of it was just through direct experience. So I was in a poetry group in Indiana and one of the members was from Gary, Gary, Indiana. And in Ohio, black people are always a minority, right? Even in the cities, they are a significant population of the cities, but they're not the majority. And especially because of busing, you're not segregated from each other's reality. Because I moved between different worlds, I knew cultural references, right? You know, if you said Pearl Jam in my high school, most people would know what that is, even if they didn't listen to it ever or whatever. But I knew Grunge World, I knew all that stuff. But then I made some reference to like U2 to her, and she was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you know, like Bono? She's like, who the hell is that? And I'm like, you don't know who U2 is? They're like one of the biggest bands in the entire world. And she's like, look, Amir, I want to be really clear about this. I never met a white person before I came to college. She's like, I don't know anything about their world. Like, I don't know anything about white people. Even for me, that was just stunning. I was just like, what? Like, how is that possible? But then I started to think about those kids from the suburbs that I would meet in college. I started to understand the depth of the difference of experience. 
identification with black experiences became much stronger because before it was like yeah you know i'm a person of color and i experience these things and not to diminish how frustrating it is to experience america that way and to be foreign and never really american and you know where are you from i'm from springfield no no no. where are you really from i need an explanation of why you're in america <laughs> you know you have all these experiences and you're not really considered american and it's frustrating but when 9-11 happened it became much more pernicious and as much as I knew so much more about black people's experiences, way more than most people of my background before 9-11, the degree of identification and, and relationship to that experience was much greater for everybody in my community after that. And for me, to a whole different level, because I had so much more context than everybody else in my background. Like, a lot of people from my community did not understand what was coming to them. <laughs> you know what I mean? I understood because I understood the history of our country. It's going to be bad. Like, I mean, we are going to face serious, serious oppression and hate. And I knew that. And, you know, the relationship between black Muslims and other Muslims changed after that. I think that there's this sense over time that from black Muslims that other Muslims understand more what they've been through than they did before. And... It's true. The rest of us do. And I think there's a more sense of we have something to learn from black people. Hey, yo, life, camera, tragedy, comedy, romance. You better dance when you're fighting stance. So you never have a fighting chance in a rat race where the referee's son started way in advance. But still, you live in the American dream. Silk PJ sheets and down pillows. Who the fuck will want to wake up? You got it good like hot sex after the breakup. Your four-car garage is just more space to take up. Even bought your mama new whip, scrapped the jalopy Thousand dollar habit, million dollar hobby You a success story, everybody want a copy But few work for it, most get jerked for it If you think that you can ignore it, you're ignorant A fat wallet still never made a man free They say to eat good, yo, you gotta swallow your pride But dead dad game plan, I'm not satisfied The poor get worked, the rich get richer The world gets worse, do you get the picture? The poor gets dead, the rich get depressed The ugly get mad, the pretty get stressed The ugly get violent as a Muslim growing up in a Muslim community, in an immigrant Muslim community with very specific cultural dynamics, there's a lot of judgment, especially for a person like me who went a different way. And when I went to college, I really did not want to identify as Muslim anymore. And it made me different being Muslim. And I was just like, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. It's not fun. Like, it makes, separates me out from everybody else. But then, like, I started learning about a lot of other spiritual traditions. After I went to Africa, I went to Nepal. And I studied Hinduism and Buddhism in Nepal. Through that experience, I ended up kind of coming back to Islam through Sufism and Islamic mysticism. 
Nepal was really informative about like the idea of judgment because when I went there, there was a spiritual openness. So, like when I would interview a lot of Hindus, they would say, you know, are you Hindu? And I said, no, I'm Muslim. They're like, yeah, you're a Hindu. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, you believe in God, right? And I said, yeah. They're like, yeah, you're a Hindu. Oh, and the more I learned about it, I'm like, oh, okay, I can understand what you're saying now. And there was just a sense of like, we don't need to judge each other because you do something your way and I do something my way doesn't mean you're a threat to me. And therefore you can walk your path and I can walk my path and know that we're all going in the same direction. We're all going to the same destination. what somebody else thinks about what I'm doing. I mean, I, I can hear it, but I have to have a filter because they haven't necessarily seen what I've seen or walked what I've walked. And that's how I got to where I got to when I was facing the judgment of my community. I was like thinking about Africa, I was thinking about Nepal, and I was thinking about like, wow, I've been blessed to have these experiences. They didn't see those experiences. So the formulations of the decisions and choices I'm making they don't understand the basis of it because they haven't seen and thought the things that I did. I need to let that go and I need to not judge them. I need to be checking my judgments of other people. It's not for me to decide who other people are and what their destiny is either. That also informs my sense of commitment to social justice. Instead of doing work that is trying to get people to where I think they need to be, how do I lift up other people's stories and help them empower themselves to drive their own process of change in a way that reflects who they are, you know what I mean, as opposed to me dictating what what is correct for somebody else. That self-awareness, and I, again, I think the self-awareness applies for everybody, and for me that also is consistent with my Islamic beliefs. I believe that to be someone who's living in alignment as a Muslim, you have to be self-aware, because that's the only way that you can treat other people with the respect that they deserve you know, and empathize and recognize that this person's experience is valid in who they are. And that it's it's not my place to tell them what is valid or not. It's about lifting up their story and learning it and connecting and growing from that. And that's process of education. That you start from where people are at and then it's a developmental process from there. Where do we go from there? So self-awareness is the key. Systematic focal point bringing damage to your borough. Be some brothers from the east with the beats that be thorough. Got the solar gravitation, so I'm bound to pull it. I gets down like brothers are found, ducking from bullets. Gun control means using both hands in my land. It's all about the cautious living. Migrating to a higher form of consequence. Compliments are struggling that shouldn't be notable. Man, every word I say should be a hip hop quote. I'm sick of bitches shaking asses. I'm sick of talking about blood. Sick of Versace glasses. Sick of slang. Sick of half ass award shows. Sick of name brand clothes. Sick of RB bitches over bullshit tracks. Cocaine and crap, which brings sickness to black. Sick of swole head rappers with they sickening raps. Claps and gaps, making the whole sick world collapse. The facts are getting sicker, even sicker perhaps. I stick the push to make a bundle to escape the snap. Man, life can get all up in your ass, baby. You better work it out. Now let me tell you what it's all about. My skin not considered equal. A meteor has more right than my people who be wasting time screaming who they've hated. That's why the native tongues has officially been reinstated. So De La Soul is definitely like... I think it might have been my introduction to Jay Dilla. 
I don't know if I had heard of Jay Dillon before that. Stakes is High was like, God, the way the sound and the feel, it was like it took you into New York City in environments in which certain kind of conversations are happening about what people are dealing with. When he talks about when the needle to skin connect, no wonder where we live is called the projects. That line is just like, oh my God. Using language as a way of articulating why things are the way they are. And then within the context of that album, they're like brilliantly critiquing what's going on in our society. And then the next song is like High on Sunshine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yo, leaving lasting impressions like cuts to flesh. Be that crew from the 516 point of view with skills so tight. If the rhymes of a giant and them clits were turning to a diamond, the level of rhyme and pressure come from less than to me and my man. And we go back like life created from a vex of sand. And it's money to be made because Caucasians are paid. Only brothers who rhyme, see bounce and catch balls. Plug one with them rhymes making your heart score like the girls when you in their room when they man calls. Another thing why these things, especially now, resonate with me because I went to Africa in the sense of processing pain and still there being joy. And I mean, this is something that is still very deeply embedded in black culture is just taking all the pain and the suffering and still finding something healing and powerful from that. It's really easy, I think, for someone who doesn't know that reality to be able to understand what they're talking about and, and realize that this is what people are going through. This is what people are dealing with. And this is what black people deal with that maybe you don't deal with in the same way. Because for me, it was unlikely I was going to grow up in the projects. I mean, my f father came with nothing, but he had opportunity right away. So I wasn't going to be in an environment like that. There are people of my background that do, like in Detroit, there's a Bengali community that experiences similar kinds of things. But I didn't. And so that really kind of gave me an insight in a different way. Because like with Pac and with Biggie and some other people, it was kind of like with Biggie, he's telling his story and you're kind of like rolling with his story. And with Pac, he's telling like this kind of metaphorical narrative, kind of this bigness to it. With Daylight, they like we're doing both. They're like getting specific and they're speaking to the whole system at the same time. That really reached me. Just like I felt like with Pac, I could feel him. Like, I'm like, this guy, he's speaking from pain and from emotion that I'm connecting with. And it's really beyond any kind of specific thing that you're actually saying. But yet, when I hear the specific things you're saying, I'm really moved by what it's teaching me. Loving to love mad sex, loving to love guns, love for opposite, love for fame and wealth, love for the fact of no longer loving yourself, kid. We living in them days of the man-made ways where every aspect is vivid. These brothers no longer talk shit, and yo, these niggas living. About to give it to you 24-7 on the microphone. Plug one, translating the zone. No offense to a player, but yo, I don't play. And if you take offense, fuck it, got to be that way.
I think hip hop matters because it taps into something universal and infinite that has always been and will continue to be. We might not call it hip hop some other day. And given that I'm invested in whatever it is that is most profoundly impactful and resonant with people to, to potentially address the oppression and inequities in the world and the ability for that spirit in hip-hop to empower the most marginalized voices that gives me purpose it gives me hope and purpose and it's what i've invested in for my life and what i'm going to be doing and hip-hop is as reveal that I'm extremely thankful for that